Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 450. Coming to you on Monday, October 3rd, we're going to look back at USC's 42-25 win over the Arizona State Sun Devils. Take your questions and so much more. As always, you can follow us on social media. We're at Reign of Troy on Twitter and Facebook, and you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Our email address is Troy at fansite.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, who you can follow on Twitter at MichaelCastFS, and I'm joined along with the star of the show, my wonderful co-host, Penguin of Troy on Twitter, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back for another podcast talking about SC and ASU here. We are live on the YouTubes. Big shout out to everyone joining us live. Uh, as always, we appreciate it. We appreciate uh, the love and support um, that we get. We couldn't do this uh, without you. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a really cool experiment. It's gone way better than I thought it would, and long may it continue. So long may she reign. Yeah, long may we may we reign. Can I can I just like point out though, like I always get a weird vibe on Saturday on on like Fox college football coverage when Gus Johnson kicks it over to Jenny Taft and is like the All American girl, Jenny Taft. It's like. <laughs> Is that necessary? <laughs> you don't want me to say the, the all-American girl, uh, Alicia Derrick? Yeah, the, the star of the show like hits that same little like. Well, this goes little, with little the... button in my brain that's just like 
but, 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 okay. So let me explain. I, I tend to, when I mention us as names, I send us tend to say like in third person, I would say Michael and Alicia. Yes, me too. And that's not because I'm putting myself first that I think that I need to be first. No, that it just, just flows. I think it just, I think it sounds fine. And like, that's just how I've known us to be on the pod. Right? This was one of our problems when we were putting together wedding stuff yes. is that we realized that like the standard practice is for it to be the woman's name first. Right. But we've always been Michael and Alicia. So like Alicia and Michael sounds really weird right. to me. Yeah. And and so it's weird, like the reason that it's the star of the show, A, because let's be honest, people do do not tune in for me. They tune in for you. Lies. Uh, no, this is 100% true. I, I could get fired tomorrow and no one would, would, would notice. <laughs> now, secondly, um, it, it, if I'm going to say I'm your host and give you my social media credentials, it seems a little bit weird to do that. And then pitch it to you and not say something. And the the blank, the like, I don't want to be the, you know, the, the typical, the lovely about just because you're a woman. Like, that's weird. Well, but, I'm your you wife. Know. So, I mean, I think you could get that's away fair. with it. But you also don't want to be known as like a wife guy. So, you know, you're sort of in between a rock and a hard place. I, I get I, it. I, I get it. I know. I know. Anyways, you're the start of the show. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> Accept so. it. Accept it. So. I don't think. I don't think that's. I think we are Michael and Alicia. We are a duo. We're a dynamic duo. Uh, you are the star of the show. Uh, <laughs> let's get to some um, uh, Apple Podcast reviews. Uh, Josh gave us a five star review. It says, "Thank you. I cannot process everything happening on the field in front of me while sitting at the Coliseum after a full day of tailgating and drinking." And no one synthesizes the events of each USC game and tempers my overreactions better than Michael and Alicia in the car cast. Additionally, the fallout and preview episodes fill the middle of my weeks in the fall with delights as I otherwise miserably sit at work waiting for Saturdays to roll around in order to watch more college football. Thank you and fight on. Oh, that was a great, great review, Josh. Um, yeah, that <laughs> we're all we're all sitting there miserable at work. I mean, I was just having a conversation with someone on Twitter about how like I'm so tired on Sundays, and I and I always have to remind myself like Saturday was a lot, Alicia. Like Saturday was a lot, <laughs> and uh, and somebody was like, "Man, but like you get paid to do the same thing that like I would do anyways." It's like, yes, I have a an amazing job. Like I get to write about sports for a living. It's an amazing job. And still I spend my entire week miserable at work waiting for Saturdays to come along. So like it's uh it's it's just the way the way things go. It's 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 the it's the way of the fan. We all know it. We're all living for Saturdays <laughs> and uh we're glad that we can be part of your Saturday, Josh. So thank you. I always think that the season goes by so quick too. It does. It's it, it it's it's time, already been five weeks time in the fall goes by twice as fast as everything else which is which is weird because you'd think between the weeks that yeah like we we, we say that it's a slog waiting for the next game but really it comes comes by super quick because before you know it the season's over um and it just it just sort of happens like that like mm -hmm. uh you and i are going on a vacation in february uh and i told you the other day i'm like that's gonna come up like immediately 
Yeah. Because the by the time that the season starts and then everything else goes through and then suddenly it's Christmas uh, and then turn around and then it's signing day, even though that signing day isn't the big fanfare that it used to be. Next thing you know, it's February and we're in Mexico. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, next five star comes from, uh, I I don't know. How would you say this? Oyaknam. I wanted to say Oyakomova, but it's not. I, I'm trying to figure out if it's like a Oyaknam or Oy, AC, Nam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We're going to call you O. Uh, 5287, who gave us five stars. Uh, like listening to a family conversation as an uh, SC fan and former SoCal resident. Finding you guys have brightened my college football season. Your conversations are insightful and engaging. Thanks for keeping me awake on my way home from a graveyard shift. You're very welcome. Thank you for the review. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's what podcasts are for me. So we're glad that we can be that for, for you guys. And uh, yeah, keep listening, keep sharing, keep subscribing on YouTube and keep giving us i mean just because we've been pushing the youtube thing doesn't mean that the apple podcast reviews aren't extremely helpful to the show uh so we are very very grateful to you for taking the time to give us a five-star review yeah absolutely uh all right let's get into the news at least there is a bunch of it uh including a big commitment that usc got uh today so let's do that Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today. Use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. We, uh, we start there with the big commitment. USC getting four-star offensive tackle out of Pinnacle High in Arizona. It's Elijah Page, 6'7", 304 pounds, ranked as the 24th ranked offensive tackle in the country and the 237th nationally. Formerly committed to, of course, Notre Dame. I see gets the, uh, I saw someone on Twitter call it the slow flip. The slow flip. Yeah, because it was he decommitted from Notre Dame a little while ago and everyone was like, well, USC might have a chance here. And then, you know, a few weeks went by and then I think he visited and now it's official. Now he is a USC commit and it is a huge commitment for USC. The fact of the matter is that USC is ranked number six right now. We're going to continue to have conversations about where they stand in sort of the national standings and whether or not that they can um, contend for real. But the fact of the matter is USC is not going to contend for real with the Alabamas and Georgias and, o- and Ohio States of the world until they get the offensive line and defensive line to be completely loaded up. And we've seen over the last few weeks that lack of depth, lack of top tier depth on the offensive line can be very, very harmful to this USC team. Bringing in guys like Elijah Page is the step towards rebuilding the linemen rebuilding the offensive line and defensive line in terms of depth, if not, uh, if not, if not quality up at the top. So this is a huge, huge slow flip for USC to take him from a rival who USC will see every year uh, and, and, and to see Josh Henson doing work in, uh, in the offensive line recruiting. It's a very, very big deal. You cannot, uh, cannot overstate how big of a deal this is for USC. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. Um, I think it was Chris Trevino on, on Twitter who said that SC has not had a consensus four-star offensive lineman since the 2019 class. Which is, considering, considering the need that USC has had on the offensive line the whole time, that's yeah. that's a huge, huge problem. And, and this is coming towards correcting that problem so that you're starting to fill gaps. And the nice thing that USC can do in recruiting offensive linemen right now and defensive linemen right now is – there's not going to be a lot stopping you from jumping into the starting into a starting job if you if you come out and and do your stuff. Like you're not going to have to wait that long. You're going to be needed immediately because USC is losing a lot of guys on this offensive line right now and they're going to need all the reinforcements you can imagine. So, yeah, bring them on, bring bring more. Yeah. We will see if SC continues to do that. Uh, still growing the the class of 2023, of course, is anchored with uh, uh, the the two low sal guys, Makai Lemon and um, and Malachi uh, over at quarterback. 
Um, let's talk about the other news uh, in, involving rankings. USC continues uh, to be number six in the poll. Uh, they, they stay put at number six behind Clemson. Clemson is number five, I think, uh, properly so, con- considering that they have a couple of big uh, ACC wins over ranked teams. Uh, Oklahoma State is up a couple of spots to number seven. Ole Miss way up to number nine after beating Kentucky. Uh, Utah at 11, Oregon at 12. There's now three teams from the Pac-12 in the top 12, which is kind of nice, especially considering that, again, SC doesn't have to play Oregon. Uh, UCLA now up to 18th, uh, the only other team in the conference that uh, is undefeated through five weeks. Yeah, the the rankings for the Pac-12 right now are really interesting. The, The big bummer, and I put this on Twitter, was Wazoo is the last team out of the top 25. Yeah, number 26. And that is a bummer just because people pay attention when there are numbers next to teams' names uh, on, the, on the schedule. So USC doesn't get the advantage. Like, there's no receiving votes little indication that they put on the, on the score bug or whatever right. for Washington State. So USC isn't going to get the advantage of, of having said that they beat a ranked team uh, but Wazoo is is definitely a team you have to take seriously. The fascinating thing is coming up this week, Utah plays uh, UCLA. That one is going to be a huge matchup that's going to shape the rest of the of the season. USC and, and Utah have an opportunity to be the game next week. They yeah. could be big noon kickoff. They could be you know game day potentially. Like they have that opportunity. Well, there won't be a big noon kickoff. We'll, we'll talk about that in, in a minute. But oh, yeah, it, it's going to be a big, uh, a big time game for SC and Utah. Sorry, State. not big noon kickoff, but like where they go for that game kind of thing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I get, you get what it. Mean. It should be a game day game. Yeah, uh, but both of them have to take care of business this week, and both of them have really tough games. It's this is extremely tough. Utah might eat, might have probably has the more difficult task of beating UCLA coming off that that big Washington win, but don't. Don't act like USC doesn't have its own huge test with Wazoo. Uh, they they have to come out and 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 prove that they are ready to go toe to toe with Utah uh, at the end of the season. And I mean at the at the end of after this game. So the number six ranking right now is warranted because everybody outside the top five is a mess of well I don't know. Oklahoma State might have a better argument to be ahead of USC just by the strength of their Baylor win, but Baylor is also a two-loss team at this point, so who knows? Um, the the sort of six to twelve is anybody's guess, and if USC wants to continue to hold that number six spot, they just have to keep winning. Yeah. So don't lose to Washington State if you want to have that, the conversation of being in the top ten. Yeah, well, Washington State is going to be a toughie, and we'll talk about that more as the week progresses, especially on Wednesday in our preview episode. But uh, Utah looms, and the time now is set for the Utah game. It will be on Big Fox at 5 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 6 p.m. if you're going to the game uh, over at Rice Eccles on Mountain Time. Yeah, it's absolutely. We highlighted it before the season. It would be the game of the year in the conference and potentially the uh, game day game. And looking at it now, it absolutely stands to be that if, if both teams can get through their uh, their difficult games this week. So uh, Utah and UCLA, I think if you are planning to do anything on Saturday, obviously you're going to watch the SC game. But I would 
block out the four hours before because twelve thirty uh, is SC. Uh, sorry, UCLA and Utah. And if you are not going to the game on Saturday at the Coliseum to watch SC and Washington State, if you're staying at home, watch both of them because that yeah. doubleheader is going to be absolutely worth it. Yeah, it'll it'll be very telling, uh, and and will set up the sort of narratives that go into that USC Utah game. Nice to get another primetime game. Like nice to two weeks in a row. We're gonna have. We were just talking about how we have done these post game car casts, and they've all been late night ones and we've been really appreciative of the people who are staying up late to watch but mm-hmm. we're kind of excited to have an earlier game where we're going to have a more reasonable time to be doing car casts and so two weeks in a row now we can depend on not having to be up at you know twelve thirty pacific and still you know digesting that game so should be exciting yeah bad news for our pal jeff in copenhagen though yeah yeah a little bit more rough for him yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Alicia, let's get into uh, talking about the game. SC, of course, winners over Arizona State, 42-25 at the Coliseum on Saturday night. Uh, we've, we've had a couple of days to sort of decompress our thoughts um, after this game, and I know that one of the things that you want to talk about was the effort level of, of the Trojans in that game. Now that you can look back on it, what, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, I just remember thinking to myself, at kickoff that things felt a little flat is not like the the team played reasonably well in the first two first couple of drives. So it wasn't like they came out looking like it's going to be an upset kind of flat, just the energy levels in the Coliseum did feel a little bit like going through the motions. And I remember thinking that, and then the game played out and it did feel a little bit like this was a game that USC clearly had that had a handle on for pretty much the whole thing, but also didn't have a dominant emphatic performance. So I think it was really telling that Travis Dye after the game was very critical of his team's performance, particularly when it came to energy levels. And so I just thought we should pull out some of the quotes that he talked about and highlight that this is a really, really, really good thing that one of the leaders on this USC team a 5 and 0 USC team that just won 42 to 25 over ASU is standing up and saying like this is still not good enough and like the my teammates need to recognize that and understand that and not get complacent. Um so he said some people on this team don't know what it's like to lose, which is kind of a funny statement because like everyone who was here last year definitely knows what it's like to lose, but I think what he's talking about here is don't know what it's like to lose from a winning position. Like last year was just everything was w- went wrong. The people on this team certainly don't know how to act when you're five and zero. Travis Dye is, a, is, is, is the closest to, to being able to say that. So he said, some people on this team don't know what it's like to lose. We're going to get it right. We're going to make sure that our guys know that winning like this is very rare. The energy level was not where we need it to be. And that type of energy level will get us beat by better opponents coming up in a couple of weeks. So we've really got to get this straight really fast. Um, and he talked about how like the the energy and practice had, hadn't felt good either. He said, I feel like we're slipping on the little stuff a little bit. We need to put our main focus on the little stuff. That's something that as a leader, I need to take the team, take to the team, and we need to bring guys with us. It's almost this feeling like, okay, we got over this hump, we made it. When that's just not the case at all. You can't have any type of time where you think that you've made it until the season's over. You cannot think like that. You've got to keep pushing, you gotta keep moving forward. 
winning does not come easy. It's not something that you just get used to. You have to come in week in, week out with everything you have because you're going to get everybody's best shot. That's just how it is. You go to USC with all this hype around you, you're going to get everyone's best shot. And I think that's what we saw from from ASU is that USC came into that game, I think, feeling like this ASU team is trash. Um, They don't have a head coach. They had a tumultuous offseason. They really just aren't. They they just got their you know butts kicked by Utah. We're gonna roll right over them. And the reality is that you're not gonna roll over anybody in college football in the in in Power Five. You're just not gonna do it if you're playing conference games. We just saw Georgia on the road almost get beat by a two and two Mizzou team that lost to Auburn. Like every week. You have to be prepared for even the worst team that you face to be able to punch you in the mouth and and give you trouble. And I think that's what USC ended up having a little bit of like a a hangover from the Oregon State game where it was like, man, it's on the road, it's tough, but we dug out the win, to coming back home and thinking like, yeah, we're just going to roll. But you can't have that mindset. You're not going to roll if that's the way you come in. The thing that really encourages me about this is that He's saying out loud what we were sort of talking about on Saturday, too. It's like, yes, this is fine. This is, you know, you got through it. You made adjustments. That's good. Caleb Williams was awesome. That's good. But better teams will take advantage of the problems that USC had in this game, which is why I think a lot of people came out of the game feeling a little bit meh because it was like, yes, USC won. They put up 42. It was all good. But also, they can't sustain winning if this is the kind of performance that they're going to be putting in. Right. And I like that Travis Dye is speaking that into the universe so that it's not one of those things that we often saw during the previous regime where it was like, just win, baby, kind of thing. And it's like, well, we won, so it's it's fine. We won, so it's fine. We won, so it's fine. But you have to be able to recognize that just because you won doesn't mean that you don't have to improve. Yeah, and I think that especially coming from Travis Dye, someone who's won a Rose Bowl, won a Pac-12, um, I think that carries weight. He knows what it's like to do that. He knows what it's like to uh, win a Pac-12 title in the Coliseum. He knows what that's like, right? Yeah. Um, he knows what it's like to play SC and want to beat them and want to beat an undefeated 5-0 and USC. He literally knows what I should, should I too soon? No, probably not. Too soon? <laughs> no. It's, it's yeah. the 2020 season. If you're, if you're watching us in the chat uh, on YouTube, how much do you do you um, the the twenty twenty season like how how much stock do you put into it like is it is it raw like is is the the loss to to Oregon's in in that conference title game like was that a heartbreaking loss in the sense that it it still hurts you because I I've had it in my head that like that season was just like its own thing it was like a completely different sport. It doesn't actually count like it, especially in the Pac-12 where they only played a handful of games, you know, am I, am I poo-pooing it too much? No, I, I, I put it out of my mind. Like I've pretty much forgotten about it. It it was such a weird game. Also just the circumstance of that game, like the, the way that USC got paired up with Oregon in that game in the first place because of all the COVID uncertainty. Should have been Washington. USC was missing guys. Like it was just, it it was just not, it, it, it was All credit to Oregon, they won the game and they made USC not win the game and that they deserve the credit for. 
it just, I, I like it's, it's certainly of the losses over the last 10 years, it's probably not even in my top 25 of ones that still pain me. So it should be considered as a championship game. I'm still more pained by the Nikhil Harry ASU game and the jail Mary ASU game. Like those watching on Saturday, those were the things that were in my mind, not like that, that Oregon game. It just, it just was one of those things. I don't yeah. even care. Steven on, on YouTube says 2020 doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, Eddie says it was the worst season ever because it gave Clay another year. Um, uh, Chechix uh, says, I didn't even watch the 2020 season. I wasn't in the mood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tim says McCoy dropping that ball uh, hurt. And yeah, that was a big moment. SC. I don't want to rehash no. old yeah. out of topic things, but yeah, SC had a chance there late in the game, if not for Brew McCoy. Uh, no, was it, was it Brew McCoy or was it Gary Bryant Jr.? I have a memory of Brew McCoy, was it Brew? but I don't, again, I have put, I, again, that we even have to think about it, it tells put, you how, how much stock we put in that game. Behind. Yeah. 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 I guess, I guess the thing that, that just to swing it back to, to this season is it feels nice, you know, USC where they, it was five and oh, right? Yeah. Like the difference between that five and oh and this five and oh is couldn't be bigger and that to me is uh, just sort of really comforting because I give that team a lot of credit for getting to the five and zero that they did they really had to show a lot of heart but like it's nice seeing a team that shows heart and also seems to have a certain amount of competence that doesn't require them to have to grit out every game uh even against less than like they didn't perform particularly well against ASU and they still won this game comfortably right. while scoring 42 points. And, you know, if, if like, like I mentioned the other day, I think that there's a couple of things that, you know, turn around in this game and you can make the case that SC easily covers, yeah. uh, you know, if Kellen Bullock takes the pick six all the way back, if, yeah. uh, if the interception doesn't happen that Caleb Williams throws because the, the play before he had, um, Mario Williams wide open in the end zone. Like if, if all these things come to be, um, they're there. At, at the end of the day, SC played a game that we can sit here and say was meh, and they won the game by 17 points. Yeah, which um, which is not something you could have done before. And we talked about the the Fresno State game a couple of weeks ago, where that game wasn't nearly as say dominant as the Rice game. Uh, obviously, Rice is a more we talked about at the time being a more hapless opponent. Maybe that's not the case uh, at this point, but that's another conversation. But but when you when you look at it, these games in which SC is showing signs of um, being human, they're still winning the game by double digits. They beat Stanford by 13 points, a game that we talked about would have probably been a loss under Clay Helton because they would have found a way to lose that game. Mm -hmm. They won it by 13. They look human against ASU and they win it by 17. Yeah. They, you know, were pedestrian at times against Oregon state and did need a miracle to pull that out, which they did. And, you know, you wish that it didn't happen that way, but they still held Oregon state to 14 points on defense. Well, like, I mean, uh, <laughs> Despite, year or despite two. all these things, well, at least one side of the football comes through and prevents the absolute worst case scenario from 
from happening. A year or two ago, Oregon State wins that, not just wins that game, they win it by two or three touchdowns. So like, again, there's just sort of different, different levels here. And I appreciate that the transfers who have taken on a leadership role, the guys who are present, who have taken on a leadership role, are all saying things that I want them to hear. I also, you know, Lincoln Riley was also kind of critical of the energy level and stuff. So I think that they have the right mindset to come in and continue forward to face Washington State. I think without getting into the preview, because we're going to do that on Wednesday, beating Washington State is about what USC does to prepare. I think beating Utah is a whole other question that might be outside of USC's control. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to this week is, uh, you know, show me a response to the ASU game in terms of energy level, because we're hearing that, you know, we're, they're talking the talk. Let's see them walk the walk now. Yeah. I think this week's going to be a lot about maturity and about showing that you can not look forward to how big the Utah game is. Yeah. Um, but like you said, we'll get there on Wednesday. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. Uh, let's talk about over under. We got a bunch of over under picks that we made on Saturday, uh, or going into Saturday's game. Do we we have to? Yes, we do. Yeah, Mm. of course. Yeah. You see, I love it when you say that because (laughs) that, that means good things are coming. Uh, we were tied 16 and 16 going into over under, uh, going into ASU. Your first one, Alicia, your your first over under pick was USC being plus one and a half over uh, ASU's defense uh, in terms of sack margin. So plus one and a half on sack margin. So if SC had uh, one sack, uh, sorry, two sacks, uh, and ASU had one sack, the margin would be plus one for USC, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was over. I said over. It was over. It locks you into the under. Uh, SC had plus four on the sacks uh, because SC had five and ASU had one. Caleb Williams really screwed me over here. I just like to point that out. Uh, Tim Prangley in the chat says, uh, my over-unders were vomit emoji. Yes, <laughs> Tim, you and I, I feel you right now. I feel it. So, yeah, I blame Kayla Williams for this. I mean, the dude just refuses to get sacked. He should have gotten sacked five times. Like, it's just, <laughs> he just, he just didn't. He, it, hey, the dude's slippery. What can you say? He's absolutely <laughs> slippery. Uh, my next one, I said over-under. 99.5 Travis Dye rushing yards. He had come into the game with three straight 100-yard games. ASU was 109th in rush defense and looked ripe for the picking for this. You said over. I said under. It was under. He had 62 on 13 carries. I blame Lincoln Riley for this. I wanted to see them run the ball more. They didn't run the ball more. Travis Dye easily could have had 100 yards if they had given him more than 13 carries. I'm that's fair. Uh, bad, but bad beat. For why him. run the ball when you got Caleb Williams? Who I mean, can't get sacked. Why? Right? I mean, that's a that's a question. There you go. Uh, which leads us into your your next over under, which is one and a half. My guy die moments. I asked you after the game. I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this? I said over on the <laughs> my guy die. Uh, my guy die moment 
uh, which locks you into the under, but how do you score that? You told me when I was making the rundown that it was going to be zero and under, but talk to me about this. Were there moments where people were all caps tweeting, my guy die? There were not. Unless you wanted to count me saying my guy die to the quotes that he had in the post game. <laughs> like that could have been a my guy die moment. It still would have been the under. Sure. Like, you know, it just like, you know, he makes me drool moments. Like, you know them when you see them. That's fair. You That's know fair. them when you see them. All right. Uh, so it's the under if you're keeping score at home. Uh, next one, I said 67 and a half over under 67 and a half completion percentage for Caleb Williams because he was coming off a 44% completion percentage against Oregon State the week before. Would he get his groove back against ASU? You said under. I get the over on the lock in, and it was way over 73%. He was 27 of 37. Yeah. And again, like we said in the car cast, the accuracy question. <laughs> Got put to bed. He just had a bad game in Corvallis on the accurate on the accuracy stuff. Uh 73% is really good, especially considering how much he had to run around and avoid the pass rush. That's a really impressive uh, percentage. And I Caleb's gonna Caleb. Like Caleb, uh, yeah, Josh Arena says Caleb had all the drool moments, pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna have to have he makes me drool moment or Superman moments for Caleb Williams coming up on one of the over-unders. So yeah, hundred uh, percent. Last one you said for you uh, over under one and a half plus one and a half turnover margin for USC. We were wondering if SC's turnover margin would be sustainable. They entered the game with a plus fourteen. I said under. You said over. It was under because it was zero. SC had one interception thrown and one interception caught. <sighs> This was my bad. Still plus 14. This was my bad because realistically I should have set this line at at 0.5. But if I had set it at 0.5, would you have still taken the under? Like I think I, I think either way I was going to lose this line. Just, yeah. That, that's how I felt for a lot of these lines. Since, since we made the change, since we got an email from a robot named Jake a couple years ago about making the over-under more about like we set the lines and the other person has to choose. It's make it's made it a lot harder, which I think yes. is good. Um, but yeah, some sometimes you set a line, and you're like, I'm bound to just lose this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last one, I said over under 19 and a half points for ASU. You took the over on that. I was thinking that SC might hold uh, ASU to 20 points or less, like they had in the three of their first four games. Uh, so I was locked into the under. You took that over and win it because it was 25 points that ASU scored, uh, albeit on a drive in which they got plenty of assistance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it sort of fell with like the reason I took the over was the same reason that that uh, I got the over here. Just this defense, I don't think they are the kind of defense that's going to shut you down by preventing you from just scoring a bunch of points like. Yeah. They're going to win games by keeping you. And again, if, if you're going to talk about like a, a winning philosophy for this year, year one, where you're still transitioning, all that kind of stuff, going in saying, yeah, so long as our defense holds the other team to 25 points or less, like we will take that for every game going forward. Mm -hmm. I think that's what this defense is. 
on the game where you give up one extra touchdown, you're at 25. On the game where you keep it keep it solid, you're at 17. On the game where you're really on top of things and get the extra turnovers, you keep it at 10. Like that's just what this defense is and what they're going to continue to be. And I have I have accepted that. I am on board with that, and I can live with it 100% going forward. Yeah, if they were to given up the touchdown, the final play to Fresno State, it would have been 24 points there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think that what you should do with this defense is. Expect that they will allow 24, hope that they keep you to 17. Or yeah. keep the opponents to 17, right? Yeah. I, I I think that should be um, how the, the mindset Realistically, the only defense on the schedule that I think should have a realistic shot of keeping USC's offense under 25 points is Utah. Yeah. That's well, the, the only one that has the pure just uh, ability to keep USC under 25 points in theory should be Utah. Anyone else who does it like Oregon state, there's something else going on there. I I will say let's, I, I think Cal and, and Washington state would be, will be interesting though. Yeah. But should, sh- could they? Yes. Should they? Is fair. the question. Fair. Fair. All right. Uh, so those are the six over unders. You went two and four. I went four and two. Another great day for me. Uh, for the season, you were 18 and 20. Of course, I'm the inverse of that, 20 and 18. Uh, you'll love to see it. Uh, the weekly winners in our play-along. Uh, we have one 6-0 person. It's Wavy Gravy, 6-0. and oh. Well done. Well done. That's that's a hell of a... Uh... A hell of a performance this week. And these were not easy ones to get. We only had four people go five and one, too. Like a bunch of this was really a carnage week for us. Yeah. Uh, and this thing, the five and oneers are uh, Stephen Chad, Do It for Men, uh, Alaska Trojan, and Ryan from Arizona. Yeah. Good job, so well, everybody. Well done on those. Uh, the season leaders to date, we have a. Uh, solid group here. Number one, uh, let, me, let me go backwards. We have a, a six-way tie for fourth place with a 23-15 and 15 record uh, with Callie Matt, Jordan from Canada, L.A. Fred, Monterey Michelle, Randy from Redlands, and Tat Freak. Third place at 24-14 and 14 is Ryan from Arizona. Second place, previously the number one from last week, is Callie Cat at 25-13. and 13. And the new number one, Jay Mandy, who uh, is now twenty six and twelve. Love to see it. The I'm I'm very impressed with all of you. These over unders are not easy to pick at all. We struggle each week with them. The fact that you guys are are hitting so many of them, it's just like, yeah, yeah, can't keep up. Yeah. Uh, game predictions. Bill Connolly said that SC would have a seventy nine percent winning percentage. Uh, SC won a hundred percent on Friday. So I, I'm in Saturday. So I think that makes, makes sense. Checks out. Uh, his number said 45, sorry, 35, 21. Uh, wasn't terribly off. Uh, Vegas had SC by 25 and a half. SC of course did not cover, uh, two straight weeks in which they have not covered the spread and now three and two against the spread. Uh, Alicia, you said 40 to 21. Pretty, pretty, pretty close. Very close, yeah. Yeah, and, and I said fifty-five, seventeen, and I was uh, not close at all. Not quite that close. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Final thoughts on predictions and over/unders? 
before we get to the mailbag? Um, I'm proud of my prediction for being close. I don't want to talk any more about over-unders. I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you don't. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's get to the old uh, mailbag, shall we? Yes. You've got mail. Let's start with uh, all the questions that we've been pinning over here on YouTube. If you're joining us live on YouTube, be sure to ask your questions uh, and have your way with it. Ask us a bunch of questions about whatever you want, uh, about USC and ASU, about USC in general, uh, about lasagna. I don't care. Whatever you want to put in there, we'll, we'll tackle it. Uh, Josh says, uh, we have not seen any end arounds or plays of the likes in spring. Do you think Lincoln Riley is saving some special plays just for Utah? I mean, razzle dazzle stuff. I would expect that there are special plays that they're waiting to pull out in sort of the bigger games this season. I, I want to say, did they try a flea flicker? Is it a Fresno State was a flea, flea flicker? Am I so imagining here's, this? Here's the problem. I saw several flea flicker attempts on Saturday. I can't remember if USC was one of them. Everything is a blur. Um, there are clearly things more creative that they could be doing, whether it's flea flickers sweeps reverses um other just i mean we we've been talking we haven't seen really slip screens yet like that could be something that that usc gets seen plenty of tunnel plenty screens. of tunnel screens and yeah. they actually did work uh early on against asu so you know you don't have to abandon them but like we said use them wisely and i think they use them more wisely this week uh but uh but yeah i i, I would say there's at least a special t- play or two in the in the bag that's waiting for a game like utah so that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, I I tend to ex- not think about those things until they happen. It makes it more surprising. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eddie says, "Can we get Travis Die for a seventh year?" I mean, uh, you might as well start writing legislation for it and hoping. I'd I'd sign the petition. I would. <laughs> Change.org. Let's do it. Another question from Josh: Is it me or does every critic? Not a USC fan. Seem to forget that this is only year one of Lincoln Riley, and every player on this team played on a different team last year. The hate is real. Um, I, I think there's a lot of criticism about this team. A, when you are USC, you're going to get a lot of criticism from the outside. Uh, you're going to get uh, a lot of eyeballs and attention that way. Uh, it, internally, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people who. You know, there's there was the gloom and doom of of the of the Clay Helton era, in which everything around this football program was not something to be happy about. And suddenly, Lincoln Riley gets hired, and so now there's a million things to be positive about. And I think it's easy for some fans to lean into that, um, which a is going to make detractors on the outside, but b internally, I think it makes for a lot of people who maybe have flipped and who had a completely negative viewpoint of everything over the Helton era now have a completely positive viewpoint over the Lincoln Riley era. Like there's, there's just a bunch of perspectives to have about this team. Um, then you're going to have people like me who are probably going to be in the middle on everything all the time. So I don't know. There's, there's so always going to be varying perspectives. Yeah. I, I, I think that the point about this being year one of Lincoln Riley needs to keep being sort of pushed because, and I think that's where you and I are coming with all of our commentary on this team so far. I think that's part of why we've been able to enjoy the five and O a little bit more than some people I've seen because 
like at this point, I'm just happy to see a team that that can win and that isn't a complete just like depressing disaster. Yeah. Uh, and I recognize, like I said, like I think my comfort level with what the defense is and sort of I've, I've used this analogy before and you, you've dogged me for this because it's like outing my brother. Um, but I, I relate it to like my parents because like you have someone like me who was always the good student. And you had one of my brothers or a couple of my brothers who were never good students. They just, they didn't thrive in school. It wasn't their area. They thrive in a lot of other areas, um, just not in academics. And I would always be a little bit annoyed when like they would get a B and it would be like, oh, good job. And I would get a, a B and it would be like, well, why didn't you get an A? And a lot of that like is the way I look at USC's offense and, and defense this year is like, I'm looking at the offense and I want to see an A and they've mostly given me A's because they mostly scored 40 points. I would love to see start to see 50 points, but you know what? I'm reasonable. It's year one. And with the defense, it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe they're just a C student and maybe we should celebrate when they get a B and like, maybe we should just accept that. So I, I hear this you. year, this year, I'm I'm not extending this out to like well, three years down the line. If this is still the issue, then I'm I'm not going to be giving them much grace. But like, I'm ready to give a lot of aspects of this team grace because it's year one, because there's so many transfers, because yeah. there's so much transition. Like, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and like rag on them all day because I don't think that's fair to where this team is and and what you would expect. Yeah, I I think you're you're right to look at things as um, measuring out those expectations, especially in year one. Hundred percent, I agree. We're simpatico. Yes. At the same time, long term, I don't want to hear anymore about how your brother got seized, and that's how we need to look at <laughs> at the no, defense. No, I'm not looking that. I'm not. We had that conversation literally every year for the past five seasons. And well, I think that it was valid to point out in the last five years, and it's probably valid to point out for this defense because it's in year one of a completely new defense, and they, there's still a lot of moving parts, and the whole team is in year one, right? Um, at the same time, like that's not what you want it to be all the time. No, no. And in year one, I think we can we can talk about those things. And yes, I'm going to be more lenient on things in year one, especially when a meh game ends up being a 17 point win yeah like thoroughly you take that um yes. any day of the week uh especially in year one when i talked about before that i expected there to be a lot of growing pains because it's year one mm -hmm. and sc despite you know not being perfect in really any of the five games yet is still five and oh and we, we've seen plenty of teams in year one struggle to land on their feet at the beginning. And maybe there's maybe those things are still to come. Um, but I expected the early season to be rocky and them to get better as we go. Mm -hmm. um, and I still think that's the case. And they'll get continue to get better as the season goes on. But to do that with a 5-0 and o base is really great. That, that, yeah, it's really good because then the sky is the limit in the, in the last half of the of the season now mind you that might skew things because suddenly expectations might be playoff or bust uh, well, and i think that'd be a little ridiculous in year one well that's but. and that's what one of the other things i want to bring up is we can have the conversation about like people aren't giving this team credit for being year one but at the same time they are ranked number six in the country 
They are the top ranked right. undefeated team that isn't named Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson, who were always going to be the top five if they were undefeated by this point in the season. USC outranks an Oklahoma State team that just beat Baylor. They outrank a Tennessee team that has a couple of ranked wins under their schedule, under their under their uh, under their belt. Like there are a lot of teams that could Ole Miss could make its argument to be ahead of USC, but none of them are. USC, and you look at like the AP poll and stuff, and you look at the voters. There are like two voters that have USC outside the top ten. Everybody has USC hovering around six, seven, five. So. I, while I I think that the criticism sometimes yes it it is like you know I personally take a step back and and say that um, it's your one and and you just sort of accept it, but when it comes down to it, like the criticism is not that present in the sort of metrics that we have to judge by this. The yeah. coaches and the media all have USC as the top ranked team that isn't those five. They're getting the benefit of the doubt. They're getting yeah. a lot of respect, actually. So yeah. um, that's something to also consider is this team is, yes, I think people are doubting this team, but I don't think it's without merit. And I think that that also comes by with like in year one, is USC even being overrated by having them at number six, knowing what we know about growing pains, knowing what we know about um, the, the the way that the defense is is a, a question at times, and and they've been bend but don't break, but they could certainly break and and get embarrassed at some point. So it's a weird sort of situation that USC is in, where simultaneously people are expecting too much of them, but also if USC wasn't ranked where they are, we would be talking about the disrespect that this team is getting because look at right. Caleb, look yeah. at Caleb Williams, like it's yeah, it's it, it's sort of on on both sides. I just I don't know where I stand because it's too early to know where I stand. The next two weeks, the next two weeks are the telling two weeks. Make it through Washington State. Utah is the ultimate litmus, litmus test for this USC team. And I say that not even thinking that USC has to beat Utah. For me, you need to compete against Utah at Rice-Eccles. And I will have a lot more um, certainty about what this team is. Yeah, you need to look like you're... Like you belong and look yeah. like you're you're more than competent. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, Steven says, did anyone else cringe when they replayed the ASU Hail Mary and Hayes Pillard came into the picture thinking he was getting a pick? That play will torture me for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. I still remember standing in the Coliseum and watching that play happen. I never saw Jalen Strong at all. I'm just looking at the ball. I'm just tracking it. I'm looking down, Hayes Pillard's there. And then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, the dude just magically appears to catch the ball. Like one of the wildest things I've ever seen in my life. Just will never make sense. Yeah. Again, I can't, I don't even have room for that Oregon loss to be he traumatizing. Caught a, he caught a Hail Mary like it was a post. That, that ASU was a Hail Mary pattern. was just, uh, I'm still not over it. Still not over it at all. Um, but, that game in general, SC completely everything about away. that. Well, especially because, uh, like, <laughs> it was a weird situation on Saturday because it was like you're up by just enough that you think you can just close out this game, but then you have the situation where who was it? Who was the running back? Buck Allen. Buck Allen had a long who run. Has yeah. a long run to score, and if he just doesn't score on that play, USC probably wins. But yes. like, yeah, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. 
Um, I do want to highlight one before we go to the next question. Poncho Cam in the chat says our defense just needs to sit a couple players and play Thule inside. So here's my thing. I'm going to say this. I'm going to be broken record. Sit a couple players for who? Like, again, this defense doesn't have like saviors coming to save it, to make it suddenly elite. Like if you sit the players that people are uncertain about, and I think we got a question about a couple of them, like, okay, who do you play? I, I just, I just think this, this defense is what it is. Yeah. I, I, I think it's different when you have someone like Domani Jackson waiting in the wings at corner. Um, but there isn't that five-star guy who's waiting at the wings somewhere else. I guess yeah. you could, you could point to Corey Foreman, but, I would say Corey Foreman's issues are not a lack of opportunity. I mean, would I love it? Would I love it? Can, can we just move on to the question of um, somebody asked, let me find it. Uh, where is it? Do, 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 do. You're talking about Steven's question about I have serious concerns with SC yes, linebackers. Yes, I have serious questions. Against, go, go ahead. I have serious questions about SC linebackers squaring off against Utah and, and, F, and FUCLA tight ends. Is Gentry the answer? Because Shane Lee certainly isn't. That's Stephen who asked the question. Um, yeah, Shane Lee got exposed in pass in pass defense. Um, would I love Rajon Davis or Julian Simon to suddenly emerge and like be the big dogs at linebacker next to uh, next to Eric Gentry? Absolutely, that would nothing would make me happier. But I don't have any evidence or proof that that is actually what would happen if USC put those guys out there. Um, also, uh, part of me suspects that like USC is already having issues with Gentry and his uh, size, not not height, but like um, uh, sort of uh, his uh, build. His build, yeah. He he looks a little light out there, and I think one of my one of the things that was concerning me against the ASU game is a lot of USC's defenders looked a little light out there. Like Kalen Bullock needs to. Needs to have some leg day situations going on because, like, mm. uh, he, he just—I don't know if it's like the tights or whatever it is that they're wearing, but like, there's just a lot of guys who look very on the slight side, and I don't know that Rajon Davis is necessarily the guy that comes in and like fills the the hole in the run game the way that Shane Lee can do that. Um, so that's like part of the problem is okay, you take Shane Lee out, you put Rajon Davis or Julian Simon in, do you fix one problem potentially? and open yourself to another problem in an, in another realm. Like I get the concern. I think it's absolutely valid. I think Shane Lee really needs to answer some questions this coming week. I just don't know if those guys behind are ready to go yet. And I mean, maybe we'll find out at some point this season, but I also, I haven't necessarily seen a bunch of like the media again, no people aren't watching practice, so it's hard to say, but like, right. There weren't a lot of people in the media either saying that like Rajon Davis needs to start this year. So, but from watching fall camp, I don't know. The way I look at it, I think we've seen plenty of times so far that players who are buried on the depth chart will play if they find a way to play themselves onto the field. It was the whole thing about Solomon Bird, five snaps against Rice, and then suddenly he's getting first team reps the next week against Stanford, and he's arguably SC's player of the game against Fresno State, right? Like. Someone who's taken a big step forward. We saw it with Corey Foreman last last week getting a bunch of, of reps against ASU up the edge, right? There's going to be players that are that are doing this. Domani Jackson uh, at, at cornerback gets, you know, a, a a cup of coffee in the Oregon State game and then played a lot on, on Saturday against ASU. 
those players who are getting that, the, making the most, most of that opportunity are making the most of that opportunity. I don't think that, you know, if, if those players aren't, aren't progressing up the, the depth chart, then they're not progressing up the depth. Yeah, chart. I think, they, I think it's really yeah, that's easy a good to, point. To, to sit here and think that, Oh, that there's a Buck Allen in there somewhere. Um, but the reality is that the, the Buck Allen situation, like is the rarity of the guy who's like, an all-American in the making, um, all-American caliber. He wasn't an all-American, but like he was the, a potential like that level of guy, just buried it, you know, as, as a fourth stringer. Like that's the rare case. That that's the, it's not always there. It's, it's and, not always the 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 situation. And it's still very early, but I think that's an excellent point that you make. It's like this defensive staff is not looking like they're playing favorites, like. Guys yeah. are playing based on what they're seeing in practice. And Corey Foreman got called out, called out majorly about how he wasn't practicing well enough, which is why he was not playing against Oregon State. And clearly he responded because he now got reps against ASU. And we saw Solomon Berg buried on the depth chart, earned his way up in. Yeah. Uh, Tyrone, Tyrone Teleni, has clearly earned his way up up the pecking order. So guys do appear to have an opportunity to earn their way up. Damani Jackson er, you know, got healthy but also had to earn his way up. So until we see signs that this is a favoritism thing, mm-hmm. you have to assume that the guys who aren't playing are not ready to play. So yeah. that's a that's that's just one of the issues that comes with the personnel issues that you that this USC defense in particular has the USC offensive line is the same issue is you can say you know you saw like Cortland Ford and Bobby Haskins struggling but like if they're not playing who you can't exactly bench those guys for somebody because there there is no one who's capable of doing a better job so you're in a, a rough spot yeah for sure uh, let's go to a question we got from Josh. Honestly, who goes to Corrales and has a good game? I'll give you one. Steve Smith. 10 catches, 256 yards in, in uh, 258 yards, I believe, in 2006. The third most by a USC receiver in a game. Um, in, in, a, in a losing losing situation. Years ago on Rana Troy, we did a, um, like, who was the best player for USC against each Pac-12 team? Mm-hmm. Was he the one that we picked for Oregon State? I can't remember, but I, I think he would be. It might have been. Um, so Mike Williams. It might have been mm-hmm. Mike Williams because of the the one-handed, one-handed catch. catch. Yeah, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, Tim says. Um, so what's the deal with the shaky sun deck with the band? It's a little more than scary. Yes, please. Uh, let's talk about this. Um. Um, Brent from the, from the, um, from the bands, posted, yeah, Brent, Brent Paddleford. Yeah. Posted a video over on YouTube. Alicia has shared it on her, on her, um, Twitter, uh, at penguin of Troy on Twitter, go find it. It is alarming of the Sunday just shaking as it, as it, uh, as and, it goes. And it's not like they were jumping up and down either. It was like, it was shaking by the sheer force of, the ba- of the the drums just doing their thing like yeah. the the band members were sort of swaying and moving but like it wasn't like an uh, like a jumping kind of like raucous situation and that thing is just rolling yeah and you know i i, I put this uh, i i tagged you know mike bone and everybody like that they need to take this seriously um 
The worst case scenario is obviously there's some sort of failure and then you have a catastrophe on your hands, which is the last thing that anybody wants. But even if, even if like the structural engineers come in and say like, no, there's no, there's no cause for concern in terms of, of collapse or failure or anything like that. Like it's graded to hold this, like band members should not have to feel scared when they're in the sun, when they're on the sun deck playing during games. And I saw people tweeting, I saw band members tweeting and Brent himself saying it is scary to be on that thing while it is swaying like that. You should not put the band through that. Um, Another person on Twitter talked about how they used to be in the band and the deck, the, 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 the bleachers got, downgraded essentially when they brought in the um the tents like the vip tents or whatever that's below and then they just put in sort of temporary stuff how long ago did they put those things in five years ago six years ago so if if your plan is to have those tents there then come up with a more permanent solution if that's where you're going to have the band because the band is too important to this program to the school to everybody to all to all usc fans to treat them like they're thrown onto a temporary space and we'll see what we do with them. Either put them back in the student section because we know they're not selling. There's entire sections of the Coliseum Bowl that are not being sold right now. We know there's room to fit the band in the proper bowl. And if you don't want to do that, then give them a permanent space on the sun deck and, and build it right and make it actually a place for the band to do it. Uh, instead of having them be up there on high school bleachers and then expect them to bring the energy that they need to bring to games from there. it's. It, I really, really hope that USC looks at this and doesn't just cop out with, well, it's rated, so it's fine. Like, no, if I was a band member, I have a fear of falling. Like, I act, like I ha- I've had panic attacks over fearing for my safety falling. If I was a band member and I was up on that bleacher, uh, on those bleachers, I would be in serious trouble in terms of an anxiety perspective. Like you should not be putting anybody through that. Do better. Listen to the band as they're bringing up these, the bringing raising these concerns, listen to them, find a solution, please. That's my rant. Yeah. And go, go read uh, the uh, message that uh, Brett Pedalford put over on Twitter. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at uh, B underscore pad B as in Brett underscore pad yeah um and it's it's a whole email that's been sent out um along with a link to to youtube so go check that out it's it's it is absolutely terrifying and make your make your voices heard like i mean this tag who you need to tag tag, mike bone has been tagged and yeah tag who you need to tag tell who tell whoever we already we already know people in the background who have contacts in the in the usc athletic department who have you know are, are working to push this up the chain it needs to get pushed up the chain um the moment I saw it, I was just like, no, no, uh, uh, no. If, 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 if this is being brought up, it needs to be dealt with now, tomorrow, now, today. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't push this off. Don't act like it didn't happen. We all are seeing what this is. Take it seriously and uh, do better for the band. Yeah. And I don't know how a legal department hasn't like looked at that and like freaked out yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Speaking of legal department, uh, Stephen says, is it ethical slash legal to get uh, Lincoln to participate in over-unders? If yes, how do we slip him that weekly list? Ryan Abraham could probably smuggle it in. Uh, no, I don't think it's ethical or legal. But uh, hey, there's no money on it. So in terms of like ethic, the, the, on the spectrum of ethical and, le- uh, ethical and legal, like it's not betting on baseball 
like levels, but it's very unethical. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Dave from Orange County, what can be done to help our abysmal special teams? Can't keep playing with fire and expect it not to burn us at some point this season. Uh, I don't know. That's the big question. It would be easy to say we'll coach them up more, but there isn't a dedicated guy. Um, it's sort of been um, a team effort on on coaching the, the special teams, and that's it's a huge problem, huge problem right now. I I go back and forth on this because USC had a special teams coordinator for so long, and so there were certain things that were better, but it also didn't make that much of a difference. Uh, in terms of like the catastrophes that um, that happen on occasion. So I think you make special teams better in theory by like by practicing it. But also I don't want USC to necessarily waste time in practice on that when they need to be focusing on other things too. Like that was always the criticism of Helton is that he spent too much time in special on special teams in practice and there were still issues with special teams. So I don't know. Uh, it, I don't. I don't know. I. It's it's a conundrum. It's, but to me, this is why I don't think you need to spend a million bazillion dollars on special teams. Just keep it simple and take your fair catch. Every fair catches and whatever. Put all your emphasis on on all the other aspects of the game. That would be fine. Um, except SC's not doing that part. And then defensively, they're just giving up big gashes. So see, so the, actually I have a solution here and this is not something USC would ever actually do because there are too many playmakers that they want the ball in their hands to see what they can do with it. But like I would spend, take all the time that I spend on kickoff returns and get rid of it. Focus, oh, sorry, on USC returns, get rid of it. Tell all my kick returners, you have one job and you will come in early to practice to practice this job. Catch the ball. Fair catch it. Fair catch. Catch it. Fair catch. Catch it. That's the only thing you do. Punt, kick, everything. Fair catch. Catch it. If you can do that, everybody else on the field, you do not matter. Um, number so two. Helmet stickers. You'd be like, every fair catch, you get five. You get five, five helmet, helmet stickers. stickers. <laughs> you have a full. Yes. Like, Yes. And uh, maybe get like a NIL deal for like fair catch, like find find whatever company that can have the tie in. And then all the time that you would have spent practicing kick returns in terms of USC making a return, you take that time and you practice defending a kick return and defending a punt return. And that's the only time that you spend on special teams. <laughs> special teams is not an overall thing. It's a defensive unit for USC special teams on that. Um, I think you still have to practice like blocking for a field goal and blocking for punts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like in like just in terms of the return game from a USC perspective, fair catch, catch, fair catch, catch. That's it. Yeah. We 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 will see uh, if there's any uh, progress that that goes there. Yeah. And Tim on Tim on on YouTube says team touchback. Yeah. Uh, either you tell the kickers like you will be judged solely on how far you can kick this ball and hold open tryouts with all of the soccer players at USC. And the one goal is who can kick it the furthest. Whoever can kick it the furthest is, uh, <laughs> is the one to go is the one who gets the job. Let's do it. All right. Uh, I says, why is the O line really struggling? Um, that's, that's a big question. I think that right now, I think we can point to the injury stuff. We know that that Cortland Ford being hurt and Bobby Haskins having his his little injury too at the same time hasn't helped. 
Um, and then Dinich missed the the ASU game, which Dinich is a big miss. I think did an not underrated miss either. But uh, regardless, I think SC needs to be able to not have those issues if somebody goes down. You want to have six, seven guys that you can feel comfortable with uh, in case something happens. And I don't think SC has that right now. Yeah. And we went into the season knowing that this was going to be an issue. The one area that USC could not afford injuries aside from quarterback um, is the offensive line. And that's where the injuries have come. And we're seeing the results of that. I think other teams have also done a pretty good job of sussing out the weaknesses of this offensive line. I would like to see USC respond to that. It, we've talked about this with the play calling and with the um, uh, just sort of the, the the blocking schemes in terms of who's staying and going and stuff like that. But there's only so much you can do. Uh, there's only so much you can do if 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 you can't rely on Justin Dietrich, if you can't rely if you can't rely on the help of Haskins and Ford. I I just don't know. You're you're just sort of in damage limitation on the offensive line a little bit. Which, which is what I, I'd yeah. be fine with seeing if there was damage limitation of, okay, we know that they're not going to be great right now. Let's put them in a position to not be a liability um, with things like screens and with all those other things. But we just haven't seen that. Or commitment to the run game, we haven't sort of seen that. We've seen, well, they're a liability, so let's continue to have them put into pass pro more. It's like, well, they're struggling with pass pro. Yeah. Maybe not do that as much. I don't know. Um, let's go to another question from Steven says, remember that time Oklahoma fans couldn't stop bashing LFR for leaving. So glad to see reality slap them in the face. Maybe they should just appreciate those years of Lincoln Riley and move on. Well, the fact of the matter is there was a reason they were mad because Lincoln Riley is a very good head coach. Yeah. And the fact like, they wouldn't have been mad if he wasn't so good. They tried to conceal why they were mad. They tried to conceal that they all know that he is an amazing head coach and they won't admit that. They can't admit that because they that that would be that would mean admitting that they're mad because they lost a really good head coach. Like that's the reality. They were just they were just, you know, hurt people who couldn't figure out how to um express their disappointment in losing a good thing. Yeah. It's the opposite of over at Wisconsin where people are celebrating Paul Chris firing and that one uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, Scott says recently the offense seems very reliant on great plays from individuals like Jordan Addison uh, and Williams, assuming that means Caleb, Caleb. And, and potentially Mario. Uh, can we expect the offense to improve in terms of relying less on great individual plays? I think so. I I, I, st- I, I think that this feels considerably less um, like relying on the on your individual bailouts than say the peak of of the lobbit for Michael Pittman game plan, you know, um, or let Drake London do all the damage for you. Um, I, I think that when you see Caleb Williams drop back and shed uh, pass rushers on every single play, it certainly feels like that in that sense. But I don't think that Addison is carrying the offense like Michael Pittman or, or Drake London did, where it was just getting the ball at all costs and hope that he does something. 
it feels a little bit different in the passing game with at least the distribution in that aspect. Yeah. I, I think that we're, we're clearly seeing that from Caleb Williams needing to do, do special things to, to keep things moving at times. I think that is mostly down to the offensive line and, and what we were just talking about. But in reality, I, I don't know that we've seen otherworldly plays from the wide receivers or the running backs. And it's not, not I mean, they've played well. I, I, I'm not trying to like dog them. We just haven't had to see them do the unthinkable that much, actually. So like it just it's very different from, you know, what you needed from Drake London and from Michael Pittman and, and some of those guys. You need it from Caleb Williams because the offensive line is is sort of in the state that it's currently is. Right. But I think the offense is is definitely set up to still have success without needing like Superman plays from everybody else on the offense. You know, Jordan Addison's a really good receiver, but he hasn't had to to do half of what Drake London had to do. Uh, Mario Williams has made some good catches, but I don't know that we've seen like a, oh my God, that was impossible, a miracle kind of well, catch from them I think we've because seen, they haven't needed to. Like, yeah, we've seen great plays from those yeah. guys, but it, it doesn't feel like if they didn't get that play, like nothing would happen. Or, right? or, like, or it, the, SC is still finding guys in the passing game who are wide open. Yeah. And that's not the case that it was before. Um, I, I think of a pass to um, Brendan Rice last, last week, I can say SU that, which he was wide open. Now, like they are scheming receivers open. Yeah. Uh, you n- didn't necessarily see it against Oregon State, but I still think that the scheme uh, is playing big div- dividends because we can talk about how again the offense uh, or, or the game in general was was meh, right? And they won by seventeen points, and I think it's because the scheme does actually um, mean a lot, um, and I think that they'll be relying less on individual. Yeah, plays I, I think things will calm down a lot if the offensive line can um, can sort of be more steady in pass pro. Yeah, uh, for sure. Let's go to um, Marie, who says, Bryson Shaw was third in tackles on a Rose Bowl winning Ohio State team last year, and it's been nearly completely unused. Does this complement our secondary, or is he being uh, forgotten about? I think we did see him in a little bit last week against Oregon State, my if, if I'm not mistaken, I, I remember him getting a, a couple of plays at least, but yeah, yeah. He, hasn't, he hasn't been a fixture. Um, how do I put this? Um, we had somebody tell us in the off season not to pay attention to those tackle numbers. Well, if, um, if, I, if I remember right, he was third on, on the team in tackling because he, he was similar to Shane Lee in that he, um, was thrown in. He was thrown in because of injury. Yeah. Um, Shane Lee's issue at, at um, Alabama is that he had an injury after he was uh, a freshman All-American um, and that kind of put him in, into lower on the depth chart. But with, with Bryson Shaw, he was kind of promoted because of injury. And yeah, I, I didn't watch every Ohio State game last year, surely not. Um, but I go back to what we were talking about. I think the, I think these coaches are smart. I, I don't think these coaches are are not playing guys who can contribute. I think if guys can contribute, they're going to see the field and they're going to have an opportunity to rise to the top. Yeah, I, I think that that's the ultimate answer. Is if he was going to be a difference maker for this defense, I think we would see him getting opportunities to to prove that. And 
that can still come that, you know, the second half of the season, we've seen many a player who didn't get any run in the first six games and, uh, and, and suddenly get their chance and and emerge. So there's still time. But I, I think that, um, like Tim is saying in the chat, like, is he better than, uh, than, uh, you know, someone like Zamarian Gordon who isn't getting playing time either. I, I, I've seen Zamarian Gordon play. I would be asking the question about why he's not getting playing time. Um, more of a question there. I don't know the answer to that because I don't know what's going on in the background there, but um, yeah, that's, you know, it's just a pecking order. Uh, going back to special teams, Will says you guys uh, disregarding special teams is really sad. It's such a crucial part of the game. If they don't do something about special teams soon, it will cost us a game. I guess is at Utah. There's no one remember when the chargers had the number one offense and defense Missed the playoffs because of their special teams being so bad. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think we're poo-pooing the the factor of the special teams at all. I, I I think that it absolutely is a problem area, especially on defense, given how much they've allowed. Um, I just don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is when they don't have a dedicated guy there, uh, and I given mean- that SC is not a complete team as a whole, like everyone sort of needs all the coaching they can get at this point um, because you want to maximize everything. So this might yeah, also, I, I just don't know what the answer is. This might also be special teams might be a reflection of, because when we're talking about like special teams difficulties, like, yes, we're all frustrated by the returns and how like they're ret- trying to return the ball out to the 12 yard line. Like, that's frustrating. I think the area where you're really in danger of having this impact, the result of a game is in kick returns kick return, punt returns, uh, this special teams unit looks prime to give up a touchdown. Prime to give up a touchdown. Um, So that is clearly a concern. Like Michael said, we don't necessarily know where to fix that. You have have one option. You have um, practice more, uh, hire a coach who knows how to to teach them better. I don't know that you can do that in the middle of the season, but practice more. But also – Perhaps this is where we're really seeing the impact of the roster turnover, roster change, and particularly the transfers out. We haven't talked a lot about the transfers out, but you're talking about gutting a roster and bringing in um, bringing in guys. So this is now a young team in the depth perspective. That means special teams guys are more likely to be the freshman, the sophomore, than the sort of guy who's been there three, four years who maybe can't earn a starting job, but could be a reliable special teams guy for you. That might, I'm, I'm just spitballing here. Yeah. That could be a reflection of that. That could be the kind of thing where your depth at special teams is, is, is even more dramatically impacted than your depth at all of the positions that we've been talking about on, 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 uh, on defense. Um, the other thing I would, I would say is that like, you know, in practice, focus on tackling and taking better angles because part of the problem with special teams is take better angles and tackle and you won't give up a return. So it's all part of it. Yeah. Uh, last question from YouTube before we get over to an email that we got. Uh, Marcelo says, well, we do have a few injuries. It seems uh, like by and large, USC is better conditioned and handling the physicality without getting injured a lot better. Is that due to anything? I, I don't know. I, I'm always very apprehensive to say about the, to put um, 
injuries on strength and conditioning or lack of injuries on strength and conditioning, those things are so difficult. And so there's so much nuance there that it's, I don't know. I mean, like, yes, we haven't seen a ton of, you know, hamstrings and whatnot. And easily, I think that you can, you can just assume that it's the strength and conditioning. If it is, then more power to SC for being able to be proactive in that area. I just, I don't personally know enough to say that it is. It's also hard because we don't know as much about the injury situation as we have had in the past. So there could be a bunch of hamstring and shoulder injuries that we just aren't aware of. That's entirely possible. I, I don't know. I do think that I would agree just on like in an eye test kind of perspective, this team does look well conditioned. Um, they yeah. do look like they're, like I said, some of them look a little slight, but I don't think that it's the kind of thing where like um, the, 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 you know, strength and conditioning is letting the team down in, in terms of the physicality. I think they've been pretty physical um, relative to where they started out, you know, last year that this team has certainly raised its physicality. So it's always, always hard to say, I, but we, there, we also don't have very much evidence that the special teams, that the special, that the, sorry, strength and conditioning isn't doing a good job. Like it feels like things are okay. Yeah. I, I, the, these are things that I just never clock to yeah. be quite honest with you. Um, let's, let's wrap this up with an email that we got from Andrew in Lisbon. Uh, Alicia, you want to take this one? All right. Which is code for it's long. Yes. It's a long one. (laughs) All right. Uh, Andrew in Lisbon says, have something to say about the previous feedback on the over overuse of the word like Michael and Alicia, like you got to where you are by being you. And I don't think like, I don't think you always realize the perfection and impact of what you do. I have like two degrees from SC and worked in the athletic department for like two years. And I was like a casual disconnected fan until I like somehow found your podcast and then your content, your love for the team and your energy turned me into an active, engaged and obsessive fan. Like in the Hilton years, mind you, that was all you guys. Think about that for a second. You like made me love football and follow the team the way I should have followed it back when I was on campus, the way I wish I had followed it when I was going to Pete Carroll's games and barely paid attention because I was like drunk or whatever. Um, no other sports podcast could have done that. I like not even notice how many times you say like, but I like need you to know that the way you have always done things and shown up being yourself is your differentiator. It is what engages the right audience. And it is having an effect on those who listen beyond just analyzing what the team does or doesn't do. It is what keeps us coming back. And as a fellow content creator, I like get that you should listen to feedback, but I also like understand the importance of filtering productive from unproductive feedback and of holding space for your imperfections because no one needs to be perfect to do awesome things. Perhaps you're like not used to the criticism you've recently been getting because you now you're now on YouTube and there are new people just finding out about you, but it's not representative of like anything you're doing wrong. It's representative of an audience funnel you've never seen, but was always there. Many come a big chunk connect and fall in love. Others leave and always have. it always has been that way and always will be. Don't fall into the trap of changing too much. Realize how awesome you are. The show is as awesome as it has always been and I fear you will be baited into changing too much on YouTube for the wrong reasons. Filter that feedback. Being normal may keep some, but it will lose many more. Stay the same. Tell us more about how you fought over having the same type of hanger in your closet. <laughs> Stay you and trust me, the right YouTube audience will come and the show will continue to grow in its same energy. And I like, I love watching the marching band, but I also like miss the old theme song. It always got me pumped. 
no one is asking for this, but please reincorporate it somewhere. Like there is no such, there's so much right with what you do already. You could stop improving and it would still be spectacular and it will still continue to grow on YouTube if you change nothing. Mark my words, Andrew from Lisbon. Um, Andrew from Lisbon, that made us laugh <laughs> twice over the first time we read it. And again, this time, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. I do want to reassure you that we read the feedback and we take the feedback into account, but we are also very willing to push back on the feedback and and tell people that like like the <laughs> that if if this isn't for you, this isn't for you. We're, we're, we know we can't please everybody. And we are going to be unapologetically ourselves. And we understand that there will be things that people don't necessarily like about us. Um, there will be, we always said this about like other podcasts in the USC sphere. It's nice because there's something for everybody. We are going to be a certain way and people are going to connect with us. There are going to be people out there who prefer, you know, the recruiting stuff that you can get on other po on other podcast networks that prefer sort of the old school voices that you can hear from other places. But we are who we are and we're going to tell it like we see it and we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to um change our opinions because, you know, people in the chat are are saying things that that they disagree with with what we're saying. We're, we're going to write it out because we know that there are so many people out there who do love us and and love us as we are. Um, at the same time, I would love to do a better job of of not using filler words. I think that's just something to aspire to in general. I I, I take the the criticism of of the like thing because that is something that as a as a content as content creators as people who are in the audio sphere that is something that I would like to sharpen up about myself, but without, without making myself any less engaging. And so that's part of what our feedback on, on that was, is that I am conscious of that and I have done work to try and be better about it. But also when I'm in a rant, when I'm in a rave, when I'm in a mood, like I know that people like that. I know that people connect with that. So I'm not going to stop doing that because I'm just so much more likely to use an um or a like, or a, you know, in those moments. That's just who we are and that's who I am. And I know that that's who Michael is. And we're very comfortable with who we are and what this show is and what we want it to be. So I'm glad you're speaking for myself. That's great. I know. I know. But, uh, but me, like, very comfortable who, with whom I am. Yes. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's me. That's yeah. Me uh, maybe, maybe I am just speaking for myself. But, you know, when I see messages from people like Callie Cat, who said that uh, I made her feel more confident as a female talking about and expressing my SC football thoughts, like that is awesome. Like, thank you, Callie Cat, for sharing that. I want there to be more female voices. I want there to also just be more people who are cool with being with being people who come at things from the middle, people who are passionate about about a team, who love a team, but also are willing to criticize it when it when it matters. I I I I want people to realize that you can sort of walk in the middle and you don't have, it doesn't matter whether you're a man, a woman, uh, gay or straight, uh, doesn't matter what nationality you are, where you come from. You could be from South Korea and be a listener of this show. By the way, we're, we're dropping on the South Korean rankings. We pissed off our South, our South Korean audience <laughs> by talking about them apparently. But like, you know, we have people, we have people who are in South Africa who listen to the show, who are in, in, in all parts of Europe who listen to the show and we never and and the great thing too is we have so many people who aren't in Los Angeles 
who this is their this is their connection to USC football. And like you don't have to live in L.A. You don't have to go to games every week to feel like you can talk about USC and be a knowledgeable fan of USC and and feel like you can you can have these conversations like that's what that's what we're that's what we're here for. We we have always set out to be the people who speak for the the fans, you know? We and 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 we try not to be rah rah, you know, Homer fanboy well, I, kind of people. We just try to be number one passionate, number two professional, and number three fun. And relatable and i think that's why we have the audience that we currently have is is i think we've pulled off being relatable as like crazy as that is but we've done that because we are i would hope i would hope that when we have had rot meetups and people meet us in person aside from sounding very slow because you're used to listening to us <laughs> at two times speed that we sound the same as we do on the podcast because when michael and i have conversations at home in our living room this is what it sounds like so that's that we're not changing. Trust me. Appreciate you, Andrew. We love you. We're not changing. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Number 24 in Poland, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you had something to say there, Michael. I, I kind of no, went, no, no, went on a roll. You, you, you did. I just let you go. Yeah. Let, let you let you go with it. Um, yeah. I, I think that, yeah, there, there's, we we are a a pair of people with imposter syndrome, and um, we're that, that's like we're always going to be unsure of the of the the things that that we say or do or any of those things, which sort of makes us sort of commit to the bit a little bit more in the sense of putting more time into doing research and more time into doing things. And, and that's not unique to us at, at all. Right. Like I think that happens when you have a, a voice that um, is coming from a, an untraditional place, right? Like we're, we, we weren't two Annenberg grads who are working for ESPN.com. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like we had to, you know, find our, our path that way, uh, a, a different un- unique way. And we did. And, I thoroughly enjoy criticism because or looking at criticism and feedback and, and all that stuff, because I think that's how you grow. Um, and like Anthony or Anthony, Andrew said, um, sorry, uh, too many A names. <laughs> um, like Andrew said, like it, it's about distinguishing what's productive and what isn't. And uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, bitching about someone saying the word like, um, I think can, there is a, there's a potentially problematic way of um, seeing that. And I don't necessarily want to go down that angle, but I think that that exists. Well, that angle does exist. And and when and that, I, I, and I, when I, that criticism came up, we did have a conversation about it. Um, if, you I, don't, if you don't know what that angle is, um, maybe Google to find out the, and the, I, the and I don't know that that's the like. intention there. But, no, I don't, I don't think it but, even has to be intention. I think a lot of that is, is just ingrained stuff. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, so for me, like thing, um, feedback like that, I think is easy to to say that, no, that's not the stuff that, that is going to change who we are. I think when, when people say that, oh, you're being to this or that about the content in which we have. Yes. I'm going to listen to that all day because 
I want to see, okay, am, am I right? Am I, am I yeah. wrong? And can I get better? Can I do any of those things? And Alicia feels the same way about that. I would, I think. Yeah. So, but uh, I will tell you 90% of the time when somebody tells one of us that we're being too negative or being too positive, we are both the kind of people who will look at it and think, am I sort of ponder out the question and then come to the conclusion that no, we're, 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 well, we're, we're, we need well, to because be. usually okay. what happens is, uh, the, the people who have the pitchforks out for anything, um, are mad that we're too positive and the people who only want to look at the positives are mad that we're too negative and you're never going to make both sides happen. Yeah. So, which is, which is fine. Like I'm, 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 I'm comfortable with it. So. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, we love you guys, the Rotbots. We couldn't do it without you. Thanks for, for listening this far if you have. Uh, and if you've joined us uh, over on YouTube, uh, again, thank you so much. Uh, be sure to like the video, the, the, the live stream, and subscribe as well. Help the channel grow. Uh, and uh, more things are coming from us uh, onward and upward. We'll be back Wednesday with the preview of USC and Washington State. Uh, and so much more coming later on this this football season. We're excited about it, excited about new opportunities and uh, big things coming, uh, coming your way. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, until then, we will see you. And uh, Andrew, if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts, this is for you, buddy. <laughs>